Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the MMA Sucker Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton, joined as always uh, by Fraser Cron. Fraser, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, excited for this one. We've got a really good UFC card from this past weekend to look back at. We've got mm-hmm. a shocking one championship to look at. We've got, you know, a slight weight, well, not a slight weight miss, a weight miss in one championship that we uh, don't want to say call us Mystic Matt, but we predicted these things. <laughs> We've got Tyson Fury to look back at. Again, we predicted exactly how Tyson Fury versus Derek Chisora would go. And then we've got the big one, the big last numbered pay-per-view card of the year to in the UFC to to look at, which, to be honest, we were just saying off air, there's not an awful lot of uh, excitement around it. But, you know, we're closing out the year. Uh, I think we've got another fight night card after this, but this is the last, um, last numbered, obviously, last pay-per-view card of the year. We've got quite a big Bellator card this weekend, which, again, there's been next to no hype over. But, uh, you know, we, we all know what uh, the end of the year brings. It brings the, uh, you know, mine and Tim's review of the year and our picks. Yep. And uh, that's what I've been, when I've been daydreaming at work, that's what I've been thinking of. Who's the <laughs> male? Who's the female fighter? Will we get, you know, a knockout or submission of the year contender this weekend? We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yes, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, UFC 282 coming up, and I do want to talk about Stephen Thompson. I do want to talk about one championships uh, quite a bit, but I think this year, one thing that has been consistent is disappointing main events or just, like, injuries and screwing up main events. There's been constant things wrong in main events, whether we're talking about Bellator or sometimes one championship has just something, a crotch shot ruins their main event or the UFC Apex just continuously laying at main events. So it's very fitting that the end of the year had the lamest of all lame events with Tyson Fury and Tarek Chisora. It was not an exciting bout from start to finish. It was a late round called TKO of one guy clearly in a better class than the other and not putting the pedal to the metal to knock him out. I don't know. It's it just it's such a, a neutral move. It just, we learned nothing from this fight. It was very, even watching it live. I, I was in a pub watching it. Nobody was watching it. I was the only guy actually looking at the TV. What was your thoughts coming out of this event? I mean, I'm with everybody else in the pub, I'm afraid. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> the, you're the anomaly there. After three <laughs> rounds, it was, okay, this is how this is going to go. Yeah. Derek Chisora had three rounds to, to land that big shot, and he, and, he, and he didn't. And we saw that from round one, that he wouldn't be able to land that big shot. Is exactly how, you know, I didn't even, you know, I, I sometimes like to have a little bet on the boxing. I didn't bet on this one because I simply didn't know what Tyson was going to do, whether he was going to do what we all know he could do, put his foot down and get Derek Chisora out of there within the first nine minutes, or whether he was going to do what he did. And he coasted. He absolutely coasted this fight. You know, he could have finished that in the second, third, fourth, fifth. And I think it, it was, the, what, not until the 10th that the, the ref stepped in and you know, yep. I felt I felt for Derek Chisora because you know he, he's he's a warrior. His team awful, awful corner work from his team. We literally saw in the UFC Kevin Holland get pulled out because he had a broken hand and he wasn't defending himself with it. That's good corner work. That's fine. That's great. Derek yep. Chisora, that could that fight should have been stopped five five rounds prior to, to when the referee stepped in. And I'm also a little bit disappointed in Tyson Fury. Um, yes, you know. You're supposedly the best heavyweight in the world, which, you know, on, on paper he is. I, I believe he is the best heavyweight in the world. But mm-hmm. it's not even that. You, you can't be coasting through these fights. And there was, there was no danger from minute, you know, the first seconds of that fight. He knew he wasn't in danger of losing that fight. And yeah. I think that's why he maybe reacted the way that he did to certain 
media outlets that would question him on the legitimacy of the fight because he knew that it wasn't a legitimate test. You know, yep. the guy in the co-main event, Daniel Dubois, was, would have been a bigger test for uh, for Tyson. Obviously, his fight played out the way it did, three knockdowns in the first round, and he comes back to uh, comes back to knock the guy out. But uh, now going back to the Fury fight. And, yeah. you know, Tyson, supposedly this good friend of Doach is, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to give my old mate Derek a, a big payday. If you're a good friend of your your, your old friend, Derek Chisora, you get him out of there as quick as possible. You, he was he was going, and then he was taking a step back and letting Derek recover, and then he was going, and then he was taking a step back. Yeah, which, as we know, does more damage. You know, prolonged, yes, blow to the head does a lot more damage than one big knockout blow. Yeah. You know, taking it into the world of the UFC. Jose Aldo took a lot less damage in his fight with Conor McGregor than, say, Calvin Qatar took in his fight with Max Holloway. Considerably less. And, uh, you know, we, we have to consider this. We have to consider what Derek Chisora's quality of life is going to be in, in, I wouldn't say even 10 years, in five years' time. It's, it's time that Derek Chisora called it a day I want to see him retire because he's got nothing else to prove. He's never going to be a world champion. And, you know, with Tyson, of course he called out Usyk, but... He didn't sign the take... contract. Like, put the contract out there. Like, I feel like, like everyone wants it. Let's get it done already. I think, you know, I was listening to the Fight Disciples yesterday, and they said, look, mm-hmm. Usyk's the one that came over to, to the UK. He was the one that was ringside. He was the one that got on the... If this fight doesn't happen, it's on Fury's side. Yeah. Now, we don't yes. officially know what happened with the Fury and Joshua discussions back in sort of you know uh whatever that sort of october november time we don't officially know what happened with them but you know if this fight doesn't happen it's on tyson fury and these are people in the know these are people that were ringside for that fight these are people that work you know specifically in the boxing business and Mm -hmm. that's that's the fight to make march april you know that is the fight to make huge stadium show you know you could have it in the uk it's probably going to go over to saudi arabia because of the money but you know This is this is the fight to make, but whether that gets that whether that fight does get made, you know, this is boxing, probably not. You know, Terence Crawford fighting this weekend, he should be fighting Errol Spence, and he's not. He's fighting David Avanessian. It's a good fight, but it's not Errol Spence Terence Crawford. It's not the fight that we need. It's like I say, it's a good compet. You know, it should be competitive. David Avanessian's got scary power, but it's not the fight that we want. The fight that we want is Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence. If Tyson Fury fights Joe Joyce, it's a good fight, but it's not the fight that we want. We want him to fight Alexander Usyk. If Usyk fights somebody else, it's not the fight we want. We need Alexander Usyk versus Tyson Fury. doesn't matter if not all the belts are on the line. We know that they're the two best heavyweights in the world at the moment, and we want to see them face off. Whether we will, boxing. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows, man? If it hasn't happened by now, it's just such a, like, I, I, what what would be the holdup? And I think both guys know, well, Tyson Fury knows he's a boxing guy in terms of, like, his history. He knows the legacy with all the titles. He'd be making history. Like, no one has done it since, like, Lennox Lewis or something like that. It's just, it's this very cool thing. So I feel like he knows. Anyway, let's move on a little bit. Who do you have in the England-France matchup? Mbappe is really talented. He's, he's absolutely incredible. I think England might be in trouble here. Am I wrong? I do think it might be a... Uh... Potentially a long night for Gareth Southgate's men, but um, yeah, it it's very doable. You know, I'm excited for Saturday. I'm, I'm working a different shift so I can get home in in order to uh, to to watch the game. I watched the the Senegalese game at, at the weekend, and 
you could have skipped yeah. that one. That would have been. I, I mean, feel like that, that was, was a uh, on paper. That was when exactly how we we thought it might. You know, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad about that. But you know, this is it's potentially you know a really good year for 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 Brazil. You know that they're, they're a dominant football team, and you know that they're. they're Potentially closing out the year with you know plenty of champions across different weight classes in the in the world of combat sports. They've got the big show in January. You know, can you imagine the 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 UFC going back to Brazil in, in January for their with two eighty three? It will be and with yeah. you know Neymar sat uh, octagon side. I mean, with with the trophy, do you think with the World Cup trophy? I highly doubt that that would be I don't think any of those players once they get off the pitch will see that trophy it will be straight back in a cabinet until it yeah. goes over to Canada the US and Mexico in four years they're not risking it's not that. going it's not going to the UFC <laughs> no for sure you know the kind of just bleed guys that we have at the UFC I don't think they'll trust them around the World Cup trophy but uh you know I think we've made a rod for our own back there Man, I, yeah, it's. I think the final sixteen has has cleaned up a lot of the weirdness that we had early on. This has been one of the most exciting and dramatic World Cups we've ever seen. That Japan goal over Germany, which is still questionable, like weird <laughs> stuff like this. South Korea just making it through on points, eliminating or eliminating. I forget who they eliminated, but just some or Uruguay. They eliminated Uruguay. This has been really fun. But once we got to the final sixteen, I think all the teams finally started to like play as they're supposed to play. I'm like, of course, Senegal is not going to beat England. Like, why, why did we even think about that for a second? So yeah. finally, it feels like we're kind of back to normal play. I feel like Brazil needed a little bit, a, a few games to actually figure out how they were supposed to play. They have some amazing players and they just couldn't get a team going. Now, very clearly, they, they have figured out how to play the game. Yeah, for sure. And ironically, this kind of, again, I don't mean to bring it back to combat sports because I love the football yeah. chat. And I'm sure me and Tim will do a spin-off football uh, podcast soon. But, uh, you know... Like you say, the, the the favorites are coming to the forefront now and and, and, yeah. and playing how they should. And if we look at the UFC this weekend, the co-main and main event <laughs> went exactly how we thought they would. Actually, you know, yeah, the, the the two favorites went and and pretty much dominated their fights. Stephen Thompson had a rough first round, mm. uh, the first or second round, and then he just did what he does. Rafael dos Anjos just does Rafael dos Anjos things, you know, with the greatest respect to Brian Barberena. Rafael Adesanyos and and you know as you alluded to in the football they maybe needed a few fights to sort of figure out where you know a few games sorry to figure out how they uh, their style of play yeah. and and like these guys they needed a few fights to figure out where they can thrive and you know Stephen Thompson even said look stop giving me just give me strikers and I'll put yeah. on entertaining fights and this is exactly what we said last week isn't it that you know the guys that Stephen Thompson's lost to or struggled with there's always a takedown threat there yep. you know Tyron Woodley obviously had the draw, then he had the loss. We have the freak knockout loss with Anthony Pettis, the, the Superman punch off the cage, but you know that can literally happen to anybody. Yeah, we had the Gilbert, Bur- uh, yeah, Gilbert Burns and the Bilal Muhammad who just wrestled him for fifteen minutes. You yep. give him a stand-up guy in Kevin Holland, and my God, what a fight that was! Absolute <laughs> dominant performance in the end by Stephen Thompson. But he had to, he had to come through the fire in that first round. That shot that I think maybe the shot that broke. Broke Kevin Holland's hand that landed straight just off the forehead, off the top of the head of, of Stephen Thompson. Yeah, it had shades of of Woodley one for me, where he sort of fell backwards and he almost looked frozen. But you know what a fight, Stephen Thompson, one of the nicest guys with one of the nastiest fight styles. I think you know it, it's his fight style doesn't quite match up to his personality in, in a way, you know, because he when he wants to be nasty in there, he can do and. 
he, he was nasty against Kevin Holland. You know, spinning attacks, high kicks, you know, stinging him to the body, stinging him uh, along the fence line. Really good performance by Stephen Thompson. And yeah, I don't think Kevin Holland loses any stock. I don't even think he was ranked coming into this one. So it's like you know, it is what it is. You went four rounds with. You know, arguably one of the pound for pound best strikers the UFC's ever seen. You know, a yeah. style that not everybody is not easy to prepare for. And I think the worst thing about this fight was Kevin Holland's hair. Not sure what that was all oh about, but God. you know, it is what it is. But, but Kevin <laughs> no, Holland did a Kevin Holland with that stuff. You know, it, it's to be expected. He's he's a cool guy. He's 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 got some ex- eccentric personality. Uh, but I wish that we got more of like the first two rounds over four rounds. Because it's very clear Kevin Holland's flaws come out. The thing is that he's not like he's, he doesn't have like very he, he doesn't have strengths and weaknesses. He has super strengths and super weaknesses, and they're so blatant when he fights. Um, I, I I think he did. It was almost a bad idea not to wrestle. Although as a fan, we loved it. I mean, he tried amazing. though. At, at times, he did try to, to uh, try to wrestle Thompson, and and you know Thompson's had some clinches always... going. Yeah, and he's Thompson's always had phenomenal takedown defense because of his style. He wants to, yeah. we we know that he wants to to keep it standard. You know, we, we uh, Kevin Holland's accredited with two of six takedowns. With that being said, you know one he had six six seconds of control time, and this other he had sixteen seconds of control time. I don't think that says anything about Kevin Holland. I think that says more about Thompson's ability yeah. to get back to his feet. His anti wrestle, yeah. You know, like you said, from a fan's perspective. That was great, you know. That was banger. Keep it on the feet. We, you know what we like. Sergey Pavlovich versus Taito Avassa style. Just go out, swing at each other, and whoever falls first, falls first. But uh, that's great. You know, you know, as you alluded to that, you know, mm. should he have wrestled? Definitely, one hundred percent. He should have wrestled because it it just gives him a better opportunity. Simply put, it just gives him a better opportunity to win the fight. But you know. Kevin Holland, I think deep down knows he's never going to be a UFC champion. He's never going to be a top five guy because he's just got point. too many holes in his game. You know, he had that crazy run, was it 2020 or 2021, where he had five fights, five wins all in the same year, knocked oh, out Jacare, knocked out Joaquin Buckley. Man, it ruins my day when I remember that he knocks out Jacare. But yeah, go on. So go ahead. From bottom as well, isn't it? Or something to that effect. Oh, I know. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. So he had Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, Charles Ontiveros, and 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 Jacare. Yeah. And then and then the floor started to come in, you know. Yeah. And then and then we saw the the, the decision losses to Derek Brunson and to, to Marvin Vittori. Then we had yeah. the no contest with Carl uh, Darkus. And then he dropped down to welterweight. And we, he's looked, he, he's he's a welterweight, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, he didn't look drawn out on the scales on Friday. And yeah, for, on Friday. Despite being he, quite big, he does make weight, no problem. He's a big guy, yeah. But yeah. I don't think he holds an awful lot of muscle mass. He, 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 you know, and, and you can kind of tell, you know, he's not a, He's not a bodybuilder type, you know. He's not a Francis Ngannou. He, he's he's lean and he's 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 mean as well, you know. But uh, I think we kind of found his level now. You know, he beat Alex Oliveira. He beat Tim Means. He lost to Kamzat, which you know, it is what it. So is everybody that Kamzat's face. And obviously now he's lost to Stephen Thompson. Yeah. What's next for him? I had somebody it... pitch Jorge Masvidal for me, and I thought, oh, that's actually pretty good, Kevin Holland Masvidal. The thing is, Masvidal doesn't take that fight because it's a risky fight. 
Yeah, Asphodel, I don't know what he's waiting for, but I don't think <laughs> he's yeah, not fighting exactly. what he wants. He's not going to get the Leon fight. Take a different no, fight. Exactly. I'm just looking down the the topology rankings now. Is is tough because you know guys around him. You got Ian Gary, but I think Gary would probably want to get out before you know Kevin Holland's ready. But that would be a good you know name builder for Ian Gary, and it's it's a big step up in competition. But we'll probably see him against someone to the effect of a Gunnar Nelson, a Max Griffin. Mm. You know, I'm looking at. I would have said Alex Morano, but obviously he's stepping in this weekend, short notice. It's. Uh, I'll always tune in for a Kevin Holland fight because yes. he's he's a fun fighter to watch and he's you know he's 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 he's, he's you know an exciting fight style and fun fighter to watch. What I'm sick of though is every time that he fights the UFC saying, "Oh, this guy's got a big mouth or big mouth," and he, they just replay the same reel over and over him talking inside the octagon. It does, who cares? I know. Who cares? I could go in the octagon and talk. And I'll get knocked out, but I could go in the octagon and talk. It doesn't mean that I'm any good. Talk about the fact that he's absolutely, you know, he is a funny guy, you know, when he was stuck in the, what was it, a triangle or, or some sort of choke from Alexander Vera and he, he, yeah. he just sticks his thumbs up. Yeah. But, you know, put a little bit of context behind that. He's He knows that there's two seconds left in the round. Like if he was doing that against Hamza with, with one, with, you know, two minutes left in the round, then he's like, well, look at this guy he's a badass, but you know, it is what it is. Like I say, I'll always tune in for a Kevin Holland fight, but yeah. I think he kind of knows his, uh, his level now. And it's, I think so. it's, it's fringe top 15 exciting fights. I was thinking about that too. Cause on the feed, he's not being a Stephen Thompson in wrestling. He's not being a Hamza. I feel like he does know, his wall like he knows where his ceiling is kind of thing and I, that must be a little bit debilitating because he's also been drilling wrestling for like years he's been uh drilling striking for years and then he just got beaten both department like it wasn't it wasn't a huge deal he got soundly outstriked in the in the later rounds here i guess that must be a little bit debilitating for someone like kevin holland who's happy to retire on just like bs right he's just like this is kind of garbage I'm happy here. this is his return fight this, this was his comeback return fight. <laughs> but like I, I do feel like i think he might be come back just mentally weaker from this <coughs> because he's felt his ceiling. He's felt like, oh, everyone in front of me beats me right now. That sucks. That must suck. And, and you know what? Stephen Thompson is in the exact same boat, but I don't doubt him mentally. Yeah, for sure. I think they with this fight, they're almost doing Kevin Holland a favor. You know, Absolutely. They were, thank yes. you for stepping in on, on short notice against Hamza and pretty much saving that card between yourself, <laughs> yeah. Nate Diaz, Tony, uh, Li Jingliang, and, and D-Rod. You yeah. Know, like you say, thank thank you for thank you for doing that. Here's a main event slot against someone who is favorable on paper, a favorable matchup for you, a striker who's not going to look to take you down. Yep, it didn't play out, but you know, like I say, I will always tune in for a Kevin Holland fight because not only does he, yes, he does speak well when he's in the octagon and he's got a fun style. And it was, I really enjoyed this week seeing him and Stephen Thompson sat down having an interview together, playing a little game together. You don't have to hate the guy that you're going in there against. Yep. Evidently, Stephen Thompson battered Kevin Holland, and he's one of the nicest guys on the planet. You know, it's ridiculous. We just want genuine. We don't want trash talk. We just want people to be genuine. Uh, Sergey Pavlovich, I think, is the other main story. Otherwise, yeah, Javier dos Anjos, Clay Guida, some old boys getting a couple of wins. But I, I think the real story is is what do you do with Sergey Pavlovich at this point? He's actually since the Overeem loss. If you remove that Overeem loss, this guy is a world beater for sure. You know, he's five fight win streak now, all by. 
KO in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it's... And look good doing it. He's, he's looking he's, pretty much flawless. Exactly. And he, he's trending towards, being, you know, on paper, that's male fight of the year contention, you know, three first round knockouts against Actually, oh, yeah, three you're right. top guys, you know. And he had that timeout. I'm not sure if there was a suspension between 2019 and 2022, but he's returned in, in this year in March mm-hmm. against Shamil Ad-Burakhimov in, uh, in London. Then, obviously, he was on the uh, UFC 277 card against Derek Lewis. Slightly controversial stoppage, but he was, you know, I think that was only trending one way. And then he took one second less to knock out Taito Avasa, who landed two strikes, Taito Avasa, which yeah. is, you know, this is a guy that went th- almost three full rounds with Cyril Gann. This is a guy that, you know, went over around with Derek Lewis, who's supposed to be one of the scariest strikers we've ever seen. This yeah. is a guy who, who, you know, for all of his flaws, Greg Hardy hits hard. And he he went the he went you know a, a bit of time with Greg Hardy before knocking him out. He outbanged Bam Bam like that's that's a statement. He beat him in his wheelhouse for sure. You know, and this is like you say, this isn't like a a, a win that um, uh, Sergey Spivak got over Tyju Abasa when he sort of wrestled him and, and got him really tired and then hmm. and then managed to to finish it off. I'm not even sure if that was a finish in the end. Oh yeah, it was submission but via arm triangle, but that was a wrestling based win. You know, Sergey Pavlovich did tie to Avassa things to tie to Avassa, and and yeah, I mean, the the thing is because of all of his fights finished so quickly, it's it's you know what is his wrestling like? What is his you know his takedown defense like? How you know we almost want someone who can put him on his back and say, look, you know, how are you going to fare with this? But if you just look down the ranking, Sergey Pavlovich now is he's moved above Curtis Blades. You know, mm-hmm. he's now ranked number three. He's three. Yeah. There's only Stipe, Cyril, and Francis in front of him right now. I'm, you know, it's, it's a, he's going to be difficult to match because I think it's probably a main event next for him because that just makes more logical sense. But, you know, 17 and one with the only loss coming to Alex, uh, Alistair Overeen in your UFC debut. Yeah. Isn't bad going. You know, no. it's not bad. And you look at the wins that he's got before entering the UFC, these aren't, Bad guy, you know, 11 and 4, 9 and 1, 21 and 10, 6 that's, and 0, 8 and 4. You know, for he, Russian he, regionals, that's very good. Exactly. You know, it's fight nights global. This isn't just some yeah. some sort of local promotion where, you know, you can't get a fight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to correct myself. I, I I thought Pavlovich maybe popped for a PED. <laughs> look at the, I mean, look at the shape of the guy. But I know. it wasn't. He had three cancel fights against Cyril Gann, Tom Aspinall and Tana Boza two of which were visa issues and one was an injury. So, you know, he's riding a five-fight first-round knockout having come off an injury. You know, he he got two in 2019. He was out for three years. And then he's come back with, you know, three more. I mean, it's ridiculous. For me, the fight is Tom Aspinall. I mean, you know, Aspinall needs to get back in that top five, top ten sort of, you know, wheelhouse Alexander yeah. Volkov ranked number eight, and he he dominated Alexander Volkov. Derek Lewis, unfortunately, is unreliable. You know, he's lost I think two of his last three, and he pulled out of the fight last week against Sergey Spivak uh, a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, against Sergey Spivak, he's it's a risk to put him in the main event. You make Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Spivak in, you know, if, if Aspinall be ready in March, 
and then and then you 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 win as in in title pitch. I don't think he faces Curtis Blades because Curtis Blades is is smarter than that. There's there's not I an awful so lot of of benefits from fighting Sergey Spivak, uh, Sergey Pavlovich, unfortunately, because he's not a massive name. Yes, he's ranked number three, but you know, does does he transition over to the casual fan? Will the casual fan know who he is? De- definitely not. But he's so dangerous, you know. First five, five first round KOs in a row. You know, what's the upside to fighting him? Uh, you probably move up one above him in the rankings. Is it worth it? Probably not. The risk outweighs the reward, in my opinion. Unfortunately for for um, Pavlovich, because yeah. he's quality, you know, and he's he's put with that win, he's put himself right in the title picture. And yeah. you know, even a Cyril Gann fight would would entertain me. You know, you've got yep. You've got pretty much a carbon copy of the the Paris main event of Taito Avassa versus Cyril Gann. Cyril yeah. Gann just just swap Taito Avassa out and put Sergei uh, Pavlovich <laughs> in there, and you've got a banger who wants to come and try and knock you out against you know an absolute sniper of a point fighter in, in Cyril Gann, who clearly has got knockout powers. We saw against Ty, so uh, yeah, you know Aspinall or, or Gann next for me, and yeah, I agree. I see the only really other talking point: Jack Manson lost to that. Crazy calf. That was cool. Oh, that was so cool. The, the oh, calf slicer. It? I didn't like seeing that. I didn't want to no. see that. <laughs> it was no, it was absolutely phenomenal. But oh, when we were watching it, I was like, jeez, oh, tap out, man. Just, just tap out. Like, oh, God, I can see his knee. And, you know, Jack Manson's not exactly, he hasn't got the best poker face in the world. But, you know, that's a huge step back for Jack Manson to lose to an unranked guy on, on short notice. But yeah. fair play to Roman Delozzi. You know, he's 12 and 1 now. Four, four, uh, four fight winning streak, three finishes in a row against Carl Darkus, Philip Hawes, and and Jack Amanson. These aren't. He's a. He's, he's, gonna, a, he's a good guy. He's coming out in twenty twenty three. Like that's going to be. He his should year. be in theory. Should be. I mean, he's gone straight in at the rankings at number eight. Good job. Well done. So, not ranked to eight. Good job. Also, it was a really eight. cool submission because, like, you, we didn't actually see what he was working on because he did it with his feet. So. Slickly of like you, I don't know what he's doing, and then you saw it. Like, oh God, it's too late. <laughs> I mean, he he's just looked really good. You know, he just yeah. his grappling exchanges looked really good. You know, even from his sweeps to you know throughout the the entire. And taking into account, he only took this fight on a on a few. You know, was it two or three weeks' notice? Like I'm like that, yeah. And it's not like he was preparing for a fight, so he could prepare, prepare specifically for Jack Manson. But Jack Manson did what he probably would have looked to do. Against Delodzi, had he had a full camp for Delodzi, and yet yeah. Roman just just still did what he did. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to sweep you. I'm going to put you in a car slice. I'm going to TKO you. Yeah, horrible finish. To, to visually a horrible finish. Yeah, with my analyst cap on, what a finish! What a but finish! I don't, don't want to see that. It made me feel sick. <laughs> just like... No, it's brutal. I don't know. I've heard about uh, like people can tap out from calf slicers because it, it kind of like it's it's all. <laughs> It's an area in which that you don't have a lot of pain receptors. So a lot of guys can fight through it, but there's a lot of damage being done. You're just not feeling it. And that's worse, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Like I said, I don't want to, I almost don't want to see that. You know, it's, 
Oof, nasty. But uh... we'll, we'll move on to one championship this weekend. Actually, had some marquee. Anatoly Malkin kept his undefeated record, knocking out Rainier to Ritter to earn the light heavyweight champion. Cade Ruotolo. I mean, he's 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 a grappling phenom. I mean, 19 years old, the youngest to ever win ADCC. Of course, he's going to beat up Mateus Gabriel in a BJJ. It's just a foregone conclusion. Roberto Soldich. I mean, it's fine. It was wow. a it was a cross Rem- shot to finish. It reminded it. me of. Uh... <laughs> Matt Mitrione and is it Karatanov and he just runs yeah. across the octagon, kicks him in the nuts, and then it's <laughs> yeah. done. It's just like I can't. Is this guy free KFW champion, free agent? Is he going to come to Bellator? Is he going to go to the UFC? Is he going to go know. PFL? He's gone one know. championship, right? Less lots of eyes on one cha- lobe. Oh, what are we? Oh, I know it just couldn't have gone much right worse now. for one championship there, but uh, you know, hopefully they'll run that one back. They had four title fights and the Roberto Soldich, and we ended up with two title fights and a canceled Roberto Soldich. <laughs> like it just, you put your best foot forward and it didn't quite work out. Uh, 1164 was very good, though. Uh, we had not the final of the Muay Thai Grand Prix uh, because of weight issues. Jared Brooks did well. This is what we were talking about. We were talking we, about we, weight we issues. We called it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we called it. These guys made weight and didn't make the hydration. And then both of them just said, yeah, fine, whatever. Like, I'll just take the pay cut. I don't care. I'm not doing this. Exactly. If Even like a Jackie Bunton, she made weight, didn't make the hydration. She ended up making hydration, but she was then five pounds over. So she took a pay cut. But like at different times, she made hydration and weight. It's a very hard thing to do. And I feel like, you know what? Honestly, I feel like it's the strikers, the Muay Thai and kickboxers, because MMA guys really do cut weight well. But anyway, please go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, it's just kind of, you know, what we talked about and, you know, yeah. one championship we for years we've said, oh, you know, these are the gold standard of weight cutting, making weight. Whatever these guys do, the UFC should be doing, making sure their guys, you know, are being weighed in uh, sort of, you know, on a schedule, as it were, prior to the fight. They're making sure their fighters are hydrated going in there. And it just seems to be in almost the last month is there's a lot of high level, you know, we don't really, we, we haven't heard about it an awful lot this year really we've still been praising one championship for what they do and yet you know within the past few weeks few weeks we've seen some quite bad situations with regards to like you say making weight and missing the hydration but but they made weight yeah but they're not hydrated enough I know. Well, they it, it's realistically it's one or the other you can make weight then be hydrated and then miss weight again you know it, it's a really difficult one and they I think going forward, one championship maybe have to adjust the way they do things, you know, maybe just adjust the timings say, you know, you, you don't have to be exactly hydrated when you're cutting weight because it's possible. We're still asking or, you to cut weight. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a difficult one because, you know, that and, and with the Soldich thing, it kind of put, you know, Put a little bit of a, a dampener on the cars, you know. I'm, I'm sure for to Jar, but like we said, you know, he's one of the best. You know, th- this guy is finally, hopefully, going to start getting a, flu- a few plaudits. But then, you know, Rainer de Ridder came out and said, "Look, give me uh, Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya on the same night." Same night, <laughs> he got manners put on him, and that wasn't just like a, a flash. That wasn't just like a, a knockout where, oh, oh, he's been caught and, and he's gone down and he's TKO'd and the referee maybe stepped in a bit. He was he went to the hospital after that fight. I mean, I think he takes a big start. Knowing one championship, they'll probably do a rematch. Man, I hope not. <laughs> you know, there's nothing to prove, there's, but yeah. There, I mean, 
there's a there's a long way to go for for Derrida now to get back to because like I say he he didn't just lose that fight he got battered you know there's yeah, a difference yeah. between losing a fight a close fight oh it could have gone either way or oh it just caught he mm. he got he got handled but uh, yeah. yeah and and uh, with the the grappling match Cade uh, Rotolo Ruto, yeah Ruto. I don't know if I'm not sure if you watched the whole I didn't manage to watch the the whole fight but I have seen the clip online where he goes to ankle pick him. For my what is going on? He goes to ankle. For people that haven't seen it, we'll try and. It's a cool uh, clip. It's it's a neat little moment. We'll try and uh, tweet it out on the MMA Sucker ch- uh, Twitter later today. But he goes to ankle pick his opponent. His opponent reacts to it, and as he sort of, I'm not even sure if he touches the ankle or he just fakes the ankle. He kind of pulls him towards him, and then suplexes him to the floor. Eyes, oh, a thing of beauty. If you appreciate grappling and appreciate you know takedowns. To even think about doing that, you've 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 almost successfully completed the angle pick. Just go through with it. And he's like, oh, no, I'll just switch to it. You know, it, it's hard enough to get some of these guys down anyway. But then yeah. to to almost land, you know, to almost go ninety percent on a takedown and then bail out and go for an even better takedown. It's just phenomenal to watch. Like I say, I'll try and try and find the clip and, and tweet it out on the MMA Sucker uh, Twitter later because it, it's just a thing of beauty to watch. No, Cade Ruotolo is one of those like phenom prodigies that we are kind of lucky to be watching. And I, I, I come from such a <coughs> background that I, I don't sometimes just, I overlook a lot of the grappling. But Cade Ruotolo is amazing. Like I said, nineteen yeah, years yeah. old, he's the youngest ADCC champion in history, and he won it this year. Like he, this guy went from not ranked being a child to winning ADCC in two years. And it's Weird. you know, and, and with a story like that, he he gets people interested in in yeah. in grappling, which you know yes. a lot of people aren't. You know, me and you are guilty of. We literally said it today: yes. Stephen Thompson versus uh, versus Kevin Holland, oh, stand up, bang with each other, yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. Do it, just bang with each other. You know, we're we're guilty of it, but he's getting people interested in in grappling. Yes, and and because because of. You know, this guy, he's, he's not a big, he's not a Gordon Ryan, muscles on muscles. And Andre on Galvao or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he is a smaller guy who is a young guy who's clearly got a huge career ahead of him. You know, at 19, he could have another three or four years in the grappling world, then transition into mixed martial arts. Good. Which, yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do. You know, you don't fight on a one championship card in an octagon if you haven't got some you know, future aspirations in my, in my opinion, you know, who yes. who knows, but at 19, he's got, he's got the whole world ahead of him. So, uh, you know, and he's getting people excited in, in grappling and, and one championship, uh, you know, nailing their colour to the mass with, with K by, by sort of signing him to, to this grappling contract. And I think they're laughing really in the future. They've got a, a future star on their hands. I, I think so too. I, I think this was a great investment. Uh, both of the twin brothers are in there. God, they were born in like 2003. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh man, I screwed up my yeah, life. Doesn't make me uh, <laughs> doesn't make me feel great to be honest. <laughs> 2003, uh, one one six four. Jared Brooks got it done. We knew, we knew. Team Lakai kicks so deep, and like you can see it in this fight. It's clearly a, a they were a wushu gym before, which is like a an offshoot of Sanda, which is an offshoot of Kung Fu. You guys didn't adjust your kicking for MMA, so you're gonna get taken down every single time, and you fight a wrestler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It. You know. We we alluded to it last week on the on on the when we sort of you know broke it down in in uh, sort of roughly broke it down. Jared Brooks is really good. He's, he's really, really good. 
and really unappreciated in the world of, of mixed martial arts because he doesn't fight for the UFC, because he doesn't fight for Bellator, because BFL don't really concentrate on the, the lower weight classes that, that Brooks is in. That's the thing about going over to one championship is there are bags full of these lower weight class guys. And, and you know, Jared Brooks at the moment is t- king of the flyweights and, and rightfully so, because like you say, he's really good. And, and I think, you know, now hopefully people start putting a little bit more respect on his name and not, you know, maybe ignoring the fact that he did knock himself out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't mention Jared Brooks without saying that, but you know, like like I say, hopefully people will start appreciating him for his his MMA ability because he, like I say, he is really good. And in the UFC, he was fighting up a weight. Like I, I, it's supposed to be like equal equal that he's fighting in straw weight in both, but realistically, he's 115 pounds because he's he's five foot three, whereas someone like Brandon Moreno was five seven or something like that. So he's, he's actually, the USC doesn't actually have his weight class because he is so small. And when I was chatting with him one day, I was like, he had his dogs with him. And um, I was like. One sec, one sec. No, we're back, we're back, we're back. We're back, it's all good. Yeah, I was like, I know how much I weigh. I know how much you weigh. Do the dogs weigh more than us? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he knows, he also knows, like, I don't think the USA actually has his weight class. He'd be fighting up a weight. But however, just beating a bunch of uh, guys who have never had a wrestling coach in their life, he's going to make a really good career. And he's going to make a lot of money doing it as well. You know, this guy is now, he's headlining uh, huge events in, in I, I, was this one in Singapore? I'm not, I'm not sure. This one this was point. in Manila. This one is. Oh Manila. yeah, of course you said. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, cool. you know, I mean, he, he's doing this, you know, he's he's headlining events. Which, with the greatest respect, he, he would never have done, you know, on in the UFC because he, like you say, he was just like too small. It's like a Michelle Walsh so and small. a Tisha Torres, you know. Yes, these are these are one of these are atom weight girls yeah. who are having to fight upper weight class because their weight class doesn't exist. You know, it's like Valentina; she she had to fight up at one thirty five because one twenty five didn't exist and she couldn't make one fifteen, and now yeah. she's dominating at one twenty five. Yeah, it's absolutely you know, it's. It's clear for all to see that the more weight classes, the better. But you know, well, uh, that's a that's a discussion for maybe a hopes and wishes for twenty twenty three. We'll we'll see. Jared has called out Demetrius Johnson and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Didn't he, I, I, DJ is actually quite big compared to him. DJ's up at one thirty five at the moment. Exactly, um, and and obviously we just got the announcement of DJ versus uh, Mariah, Mariah three three yeah, three. Yeah. You know, who maybe they'll just clash knees in this one and and. You know, <laughs> I don't know what will happen. They'll just, you know, DJ knocked out with a knee in the first fight. Mariah's knocked out with a knee in the second fight. Maybe they just run and just jump me each other in the third i don't know i'm excited for it but who knows i'm so pumped yeah that's gonna be a good one um we also had the end of the muay thai grand prix and fittingly no one got crowned of like rod tang and jonathan Hagerty had to drop out due to weight issues so we ended up getting replacements in the final and then they didn't even make weight so we ended up getting no one crowned but we sold the fight did you what did you make of the super like versus vampire fight it was a close one it, it was a close one but it was almost you know like I say, it's like well, like you say, there was, there was nothing on the line. That, and it should have been five rounds. Three wasn't enough. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, like you say, there's nothing on the line. In the back of your mind, you're always thinking oh, it should probably be Rod Tang. It should probably be Jonathan Haggerty. You know, <laughs> uh, and it's much like the fight at the UFC this weekend. You're going to be thinking, oh, it should be Jerry in this fight. 
Look at that! Look at that transition! Oh my god, oh, <laughs> professional! This is what we do. But no, just, just harping back to one. You know, it's it, it. It. I mean, who doesn't love that level of striking? You know, know. and if you, if you don't appreciate that level of striking, what are you doing? Listen to this podcast. You know, we're geeks. You know, we're, we're geeks. And uh, but but again, it's this is good. But could you do that to Rod Tang? This is good. But could you do that to to Haggerty? You know, and, and it, I want to see it, but the, neither of them. Rod Tang has a different fight in kickboxing. Superlek already has a fight in kickboxing, but why didn't these guys fight each other? Yeah, it's, you know, you don't want it to become like boxing where the top guys don't face the top guys. You want it to be, you know, I don't want to don't want to go on too much about the UFC, but you, you want it to be like the UFC where the top guys right. face the top guys. And, and, you know, like I say, the fight itself, really fun fight. Yes, you know, it's great. Some some of the the crisp technique that we were seeing was, oh God, you know why why UFC fighters don't just watch that and just try to take everything from that. It, you know, it, I, there was like a one second exchange where we saw like three check kicks, elbows into a clinch. Like what what the hell was like that was incredible yeah. stuff. Sometimes it, it's one of those where you almost you know it's a three round fight, so you can afford to watch it in slow motion and be like, right, what has just happened <laughs> so there? Good. But you know, and and it's yes, it went it uh, it went to a decision. But it's I'm kind of glad that it went to a decision in a way because we got to see the full fight. You know, if that would have lasted ten seconds, with say super like knocking knocking Pompey out, it's like oh, okay, what, what? Yeah, yeah. He, we, you know, I'm glad that we got to see a whole fight because that was fun. But even though there was no know, championship, both guys raised their stock. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, they'll. You know, like you say, there's no champion, but they'll be in the championship picture still. No, yeah. they can't not be. Each of them, you know, it, it's um, because it was such a close fight. Yeah, they have to be in the championship picture. And and you know, again, I'll use my brilliant transition. It's a oh, shame yeah. that it wasn't for a belt. Here we go. However, UFC 282 this weekend. <laughs> I'm Feels so like sad. We should have Jiri Prohashka in the main event, but we we haven't, and it is what it is. You know what sucks? I had um, King Mo Lawal booked, and then he like pushed it over, and I was gonna have like King Mo Lawal break down his Yuri Prohashka fight and stuff like that, and then Yuri had to drop out of the fight. So now I, what am I gonna talk to King Mo about now? I have nothing to talk to this man about at this moment. <laughs> I'm the real victim here. <laughs> exactly, and it was like me before PFL. I had Jeremy Stevens booked, and I was gonna ask him what he thought yeah. about the interim. Uh featherweight title between two guys that he's faced, Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez. Maybe we'll still get that book before the time, but, you know, Jeremy hasn't got a fight coming up and I don't want to just get him on to talk about somebody else. <laughs> it's slightly disrespectful to Jeremy. So uh, we'll see We'll see going forward whether whether Stevens gets a fight book, but I, I doubt that'll happen. But uh, no, going back to this weekend. Yes, sir. I think we just have to accept and get excited for the fight that we've got because it's a really good fight. We would have been excited for this fight as a three-round co-main event. Dare I say that I was more excited for a three-round event than I am a five-round event because these guys are not five-round ready. You know, this was only, what, last week, two weeks ago that yeah. they have to, you know, they've almost got a week to prepare for an extra five minutes of battle, which maybe... Le- and, you know... Despite what you think, you know, these light heavyweights, Polish power and, and, and Kalayev with his striking and wrestling sort of transitions, they both know, and Kalayev especially knows how to coast a fight 
if he wants to make a statement, I think he has to finish Jan Blachowicz, mm-hmm. which isn't an easy thing to do. Um, you have written these coming out this week, though, right? I have. I've got Jan Blachowicz, keys to victory. And I'll be honest, it's a tough one. because It actually is. It is. And it's, it's not that there's not a lot of keys to victory, but they're basic things that Jan Blachowicz needs to do. You know, I can't, can't say that, you know, Jan Blachowicz needs to start doing crazy spinning attacks. Never going to happen. We've seen, you know, 20-odd Jan Blachowicz fights. We've seen Magomed Ankalaev look pretty flawless. And it is yep. difficult. This was for me, which is why it's obviously coming out. I usually release it on a Monday. Yeah. This is why it's coming out slightly later because I've had to watch a lot of tape and there is a lot of tape on these guys because they do go to the decision a lot. Mm. But, you know, the three main keys to victory, I won't go into any great detail, but it's, it's stop the takedown, which is that's a simple thing, you know. But if you stop the takedown of Magomed Ankalaev, you force him into a striking exchange, which is where Jan Blachowicz sort of thrives. Jan Blachowicz isn't great of, about uh, uh, at getting up. You know, we yeah. saw Glover almost spend almost five minutes just on top of Jan Blachowicz in the, in their fight, despite being a black belt. He was dominated on the floor by by Alexander Gustafsson, who's who's not a good grappler. You know, he, yeah. he Alexander Gustafsson is a kickboxer who can grapple defensively, but he he went on the offensive against Jan Blachowicz and dominated him. Ankalaev only lands 33% of his takedowns. But when he does land them, he stays there. He keeps a position and he dominates in that position. The second key to victory is to try and catch the kicks of Ankalaev and, and counter off them. We know Jan Blachowicz is a f- one of the best checkers of leg kicks. I think yeah. it goes, it's an underrated underrated skill of his. But he's got to catch the kicks of Ankalaev and look to counter. No one is looking to counter the, Ankalaev because he's got maybe because he's got so much power, but Anthony Smith, I think it was the beginning of the second round of their fight, was able to actually catch a kick of Ankalaev and sort of almost push him off balance. Now, that's something that Yamalhovic, in my opinion, needs to do just to offset Ankalaev. And the third, and for me, the main thing that Yamalhovic needs to do is not back up. He's got a terrible, terrible habit of backing up. And, you know, I, I call it the sort of outer octagon and, and people call it the outer octagon. We've got the black, Oh yeah. We've obviously got the defense and then we've got the black line, the black octagon line inside. Jan Blachowicz spends the majority of his fights behind that line, in between that line and the and the octagon fence. He cannot do that against Ankalaev because it gives Ankalaev the, the opportunity then to either strike or look to clinch and take him down. He gives Ankalaev too many options. If he meets Ankalaev in the middle, Ankalaev very rarely lands a takedown like a, a traditional wrestling takedown. It's it's very much a clinch, sort of Dagestani takedown, as it were, where he gets him against the fence, gets his opponents against the fence, works trips, works on the takedown. If Jan Blachowicz just limits that, if Jan Blachowicz just doesn't allow that to happen, if he doesn't put his back against the fence, he's got a much, you know, he, Jan, uh, Magomed Ankalaev can only strike with him, really. Mm. But unfortunately for Blachowicz, there's so much tape on him gladly giving up space and gladly backing up. So he needs to either, you know, I've got a couple of clips on in, in the article of when he's, he found himself backed up when he doesn't want to be against Jimmy Manua, who, you know, is a ferocious striker against Israel Adesanya, who is, a, yep. is maybe not carry the power that Jimmy Manua did, but, but, you know, can keep you along the fence on and, and pick away at you. And two ways that Jan Blachowicz looked to get off the fence line, which is, 
I think, going to be vital for him. But there's also a clip in there of when he fought Glover Teixeira. Mm-hmm. He backed up from one side of the octagon all the way to the other side of the octagon. Just gladly backed up into that. And you cannot do that, especially against someone of Magomed Ankalaev, because we saw against Thiago Santos and when he fought somebody else, I'll just double-check who it was that he fought. Oh, Volkan Ozdemir. Yeah. He can just, especially against Thiago Santos, he kept Thiago Santos in that outer octagon for almost four minutes of the fourth round. You can't do that in a title fight because that's one round gone. You've only got four rounds then. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's what we might see happen this weekend because... You know, these guys are taking the fight on short notice. They're not going to have a five-round gas tank. They can go five rounds because they're both phenomenal athletes, but they won't. They can't, they wouldn't, they're not in as good shape for this fight as they would be if they are disscheduled for three months, four months, you know. Yeah. And it's a difficult one, but I mean, I'm excited for it. And I think, you know, Jan's got the equaliser, the power, he's got the, the experience uh, uh, in championship fights over uh, Magomed Ankalaev, but Ankalaev is good you know we've lo- we've seen him lose one second of the of, of his UFC career of his entire career against Paul Craig, oh, Paul Craig. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a difficult one well and, and here's the thing of like those are the keys to victory is, is he gonna do it can he do all that <sighs> who knows uh, yeah it's difficult because we know how good Jan Blachowicz is you know he's a former champion for a reason with that being said you know Ankalaev he he can mix up his his striking, you know. He, he yes. just, it, visually, he should be wrestling you. He's got that Dagestani beard. He's got that Dagestani sort of haircut. You know, he's from Russia. He's from Dagestan. You know, he should sambo be wrestling you. Sambo background as well. He was like a master of whatever in sambo. And then, but... ask, and then you ask Iron Kutalaba, and he gets Iron Kutalaba gets knocked dead by him in that second fight. He's yeah. got you know he knocked down Volkan Ozdemir. He dominated Nikita Krylov. He dominated Tiago Santos, who's one of the scariest strikers. <laughs> The UFC's ever seen. He shouldn't be able to strike with you as well as he should, judging by his beard. But he, but, but he he can, you know. And for me, this fight is where Ankalaev chooses the fight to go. Whether he wants to wrestle and clinch with Jan Blahovic or whether he wants to strike with Blahovic. For me, if I was Ankalaev, I I'd look to I'd look to clinch as much as possible because Blahovic is a serious striker, you know, asked Reyes, he knocked Reyes dead, you know, and yeah. that welt on the side of Reyes, we know what happens when Jan Blahovic finds his range with his kicks. What I am chuffed about is that this fight obviously isn't just a fight that's been pulled out of nowhere. These guys have been preparing for each other. They haven't mm-hmm. been preparing for a five-round main event, but they've been preparing for each other. And, you know, I'm excited for it. I, I am too. This is this is a really good fight, and I think this is one of those... Um... I think this is going to be a coming out party for Megabed Ankalaev because, like, it's not just the wrestling. He takes wrestling when it's available, but most of the time he's quite happy to strike. Unlike a lot of the Dagestani guys, he's not forcing wrestling exchanges. He just happens to beat guys up on the feet all the time. But yeah, I think this is very much Dagestani takeover continues. That's probably going to be the story of 2022. Um, I, I can't see it going too many other ways. Like, like you said. Jan Blahovic has a very narrow path to victory, but he has a, a lot of paths to to losing, right? Even on yeah. the feet, he might he might just get beat up on the feet a little bit. He might get beat up in the clinch. He might get beat up on the ground. It's a tough fight. Megamed, this is why Glover Glover Teixeira was offered this fight, and he said no to Megamed, but I'll fight Jan. 
<laughs> you yeah, know what I exactly. mean? <laughs> and I mean, you can't blame him because with Jan Blachowicz, you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get a kickboxer. Yeah. You've already beat him once. Yeah. Pretty much rinse and repeat. Yeah. With Ankalaev, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. It's it's a difficult ball game, and I can't. Uh, you know, I, should Glover have taken the fight? In my opinion, yes. You know, he's forty three. Uh, yeah, if does he get the chance put, again? I know. You know, if these two put on a fight of the year contender, which you know is possible, these are two big, you know, exciting guys. Yeah. It, you know, they could fight again in in say May. Then Giri's back in say let's say he takes a year out. He's back in December. Glover's looking at being forty-five years old before he even gets, you know. And, and does Glover just sit sit out then for a year? Who, who knows? You know, with with any luck, we'll have a, a decisive winner. And whether it be Blahovic or Ankalaev, I probably think it will be Ankalaev. Like you know, I'm kind of siding with you on that one. And then yeah. with any luck, Glover will then sort of slide into the title picture in in May. But Ankalaev is a much you know much tougher fight for for Glover than in Blahovic or, or Prashka, in my opinion. Oh, I, I completely co-sign with you. I, this is such a tough fight, but it's... I, I also think it's maybe under the radar a bit, because it's not a great named fight, but I think it's actually a good fight overall. Of like, I know you and I, we're not probably going to watch it live or pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> However, it, I recognize that it is a very good fight. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, because it's a definite step up in competition for Magomed Ankalaev, you know. Thiago Santos True. has fallen off a cliff. Volkan Ozdemir oh, kind of yeah. is what he is. And Anthony Smith. <laughs> Anthony Smith is, is really good, but he is good. obviously he suffered an injury in that fight that left that led to the, the TKO. And, you know, talk about step up in competition. Paddy Pimblett as well in the co-main event. Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. Huge step up in competition for Paddy Pimblett, you know. And I'm here for it. It's it's really it's a really good fight, you know. Co-main event on the main card. I don't think Paddy Pimblett is going to be doing any more media for this fight than than he would have if he was, you know, co-main event or if he if he if he stayed back sort of further down on the main card. But mm-hmm. we don't want to push him into the top fifteen yet because the UFC want to build him. You know, if you look at these guys in the top fifteen. You know, Tony Ferguson's ranked 15, Conor McGregor ranked 14, Renato Moicano ranked 13, Ismagulov, Hooker, Jalen Turner. You don't want to sort of put your, one of your main main guys there. But Jared Gordon is a massive step up in competition from, yeah. you know, Venderami, Vargas and Jordan Levitt with the greatest respect to these guys. Gordon is, you know, since, he, you know, since 2019, he's lost to Charles Oliveira and Grant Dawson. Fine. Yeah, no shame there. Okay, you know, <laughs> yes, they were both by finish, but I mean, one is a legitimate, legitimate champion or former champion now, and Grant mm-hmm. Dawson is, you know, hasn't lost since 2016 and is, you know, been killing guys. Yep. It's going to be a tough night for Paddy, in my opinion. I think he wins the fight. I don't I think, think he does two. it. I don't think he does it in the way that we've constantly seen him in win fights you know I think he maybe gets a, a late submission but you know Jared Gordon's lost four times in the UFC three by TKO and one by sub but he's also dominated guys like Chris Chris Fishgold on the ground you know he dominated Joe uh, he dominated Danny Chavez he, he beat Leonardo Santos last time out who is one of the hardest hitters that UFC's seen in a long time you know and you know, Santos is a strange story, which again is a story for another day, but 
Jared Gordon isn't the kind of guy who's going to let the moment get to him. You know, I think that's maybe what happened with Venderami, with Vargas, and especially with Jordan Levitt. You know, uh, they've let the sort of Paddy the Baddy party atmosphere <laughs> take over them, and I don't think that that Jared Gordon's going to do that. This is a guy that's got a a rough past and is is going to you know. I don't think he's scared of fighting. Not that these other guys no. were scared of fighting, but you know, I mean, you know, he's not going to let the moment get to him, which I think will make for a much more competitive fight. And he's a banger on the feet. He's he's not scared to throw down with everybody that he that he runs into. He's an overall very game fighter. It will be very tough. Like like he said, we're both picking Patty. <coughs> it's not an easy win for him in any way. No, for sure. But it's a, it's a natural step up in competition, which I think that he needs ahead of probably coming back to compete on that pay-per-view in March in uh, in, in the UK. I, I think they thrust him right into the top 10, top 5. Patty, I mean, a- after this fight, this is kind of the setup of like, make sure you beat this guy. <laughs> you have to beat this guy. I promise you, you have to beat him or else you're not going to make it in this industry. This, yeah, is, sure. this, is a, this is a gatekeeper of like Jared Gordon, someone who's good in every area, good wins, good losses. This is This is a gatekeeper. And Patty actually needs to win. And I, I don't think it's that easy of a fight for him. I think no. maybe he does get on top a few times. He probably does get mount here and there, but it's it's not going to be an easy path to victory. No, like if you go three rounds with Grant Dawson, who is a phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal grappler, yeah. as we saw, you know, he outgrappled the Olympian Mark Amazdan last last time out. That's you go three Exactly. And you know, you go you go three rounds and, and win against Leonardo Santos, you know. I don't think someone like Paddy is going to be able to dominate Jared Gordon how he's dominated Jordan Levitt, who is essentially a striker with a little bit of wrestling. Jared <laughs> Gordon is a solid all-round mixed martial artist. A lot of and, pressure in his fights, a lot of like pushing against the cage. He's he's, he's overall like he he gets MMA. He's very yeah, good at it. This is a, exactly. it's a good fight for him. And I, I and I want to see I want to see Paddy in the third round. I want to see him tested in the second round. I want to see him, you know, I want to see him hurt because just. You know, give him a bit of a check because you know, he's had a pretty easy run of it. You know, fair play to him for having an easy run of it. You know, if you if you if you're that good and you're that talented and you can afford to have an easy run of it, of course you're going to. But mm-hmm. I want to see him tested because you know we don't want him to get to the sort of upper echelons of the division and then just just fail like like we saw with his countryman Darren Till. You know, he got to the upper echelons of the division and kind of failed. And now he's on a He's on a bit of a combat path against Trickers Duplessis. I was going to say, was Darren? I, I'm still surprised that Darren is on the card. I thought he would. I don't want to shell Sun in this show, but I thought he was going to drop out due to injury by this time. I, yeah, I'm I mean, surprised he, to see the name. The name is still his there. Eye, didn't he? He did hurt his <laughs> he eye. He did have his eye gouged and yeah, in training. That was a bit worrying. But for, for Darren, obviously, you know, we'll move on to that fight. I'm a little bit disappointed that he's been bumped up to the main card because. I want to see Darren go right under the radar this week. I want to just see him as just another fighter on the card. I don't want to see him doing right. too much media. I just want to see him focused on Drickus Duplessis because I think sometimes that's where, where Darren Till's failed. And, you know, he is, what, one of four in his last five fights. And even that one, you know, that one was was, was a three-round um, main card fight against Calvin Gastelum, you know. He, he lost to Tyron Woodley in the main event for the title. He lost to Jorge Masvidal. In the main in the main event, in what should have been a fairly easy fight, you know, Jorge Masvidal, with the greatest respect, isn't on Darren Till's level striking wise. On that night, he clearly was. Yeah. He then moved up to middleweight to face Calvin Gastelum. Had to come into New York late, a bit of a stressful week, and he, he got it done via split decision. 
He then lost to Robert Whitaker pretty decisively. But that, I mean, it was a close was a fight, fight. But I think I think Whitaker won that pretty. You know, I wasn't too mad about the decision. He then had four cancelled fights. Then he fights Derek Brunson. He looked he looked fleshy in that fight. He looked he looked bad to be honest. And yes, he was suffering with injuries and whatnot in that fight. He was then supposed to be co-main event in in London in July. Had to pull out of that fight. Now he's taken a bit of a step down in competition, in my opinion, to fight Drukas Duplessis. But it's a step down in competition as far as experience is concerned in the UFC. But I mean, this guy's three and zero in the UFC with two finishes, and that last fight against Brad Tavares, he put manners on Brad Tavares. And if yeah, Brad yeah. Tavares wasn't so so thick chinned and thick scored, he, he would have probably got him out of there. This but is I, I not think, an easy fight for Till, and it's an exciting one. I think you're saying like I just want him to be Darren Till to be another fight on the card. I think he's going to show up this week with Hamzat, and they're going to be the center of the media show for the press conference and the weigh-ins and all that other stuff. I think this is going to be a Till show. I think he's going to be very distracted going into this fight. Exactly, and I, I mean I've I've written a piece that will come out later on in the week about Darren Till looking for redemption, and I even commented on the piece. I have to rewrite it now. And just said on the piece, look, it's good that Darren Till is on the prelims. He's he is just another fight on the prelims. You know, no disrespect to any of the fighters on the prelims, but no one's going to be scrapping around for a for a, an interview with you know Eric Silver or TJ Brown or or Daniel De Silva and Vinicius Salvador. Greatest respect to those guys. That's what I want for Darren Till. But unfortunately, no. you know, I completely co-sign with what you're saying. He he's not going to be able to fly under the radar if he walks around with these Smash Bros and and Campbell Shamayev going to be picking a fight with every single person at the UFC just for the sake of it but luckily for Darren Till there are plenty of talking points you know you've got you've got the the late notice main event you've got Paddy the Baddy on the card who is a media darling you know yes you've got the two undefeated guys in Bryce Mitchell and Elias Taporia who that's a that's a banger of a fight that's going under the radar and you know you've also got the backstory between Taporia and Paddy Bimblett who if there is a press conference you know, I haven't heard about I'm assuming there will be this week Mm-hmm. And they put Tapora and Paddy Pimblett. They're going to be focused on each other. You know, Tapora is going to be focused on Paddy, and Paddy's going to be focused on Tapora. You've got the debut of of Raul Rosa Jr. You know, the seventeen, eighteen year old lad that's you know making his UFC debut on this card. You've got Edmund Shabazian who's looking for a a comeback. You know, he, he's obviously one of the hottest prospects in the UFC when he when he knocked out Brad Tavares, knocked out Jack, uh, finished Jack Marsh and Marshman. You know. Uh, what twenty one? I think he was when he joined the UFC. He's twenty five now, and he's he's zero three in his last four. Uh, sorry, he's zero three in his last three. Derek Brunson, Jack Munson, and uh, Nazruddin Imanov. Mm-hmm. But he's 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 looking for redemption now. You know, you've got plenty of. Unfortunately, you've got plenty of cancelled fights. You know, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Robbie Lawler. Does that kind of put a little bit more pressure on someone like Darren Till to to step up in the main event in, on the main card? Sorry, I'm not sure if it does. But I think what's important is, like I say, there are plenty more talking points. Paddy Pimblett being on this card for Darren Till is crucial because a lot of media attention will be on Paddy Pimblett, as it always is whenever Paddy fights. And hopefully that means that Darren Till can drift slightly under the radar, whether he will. You know, I kind of, to be honest, I did forget. I forgot that it would kind of be the cams up show as it were yeah he's have... <laughs> and interestingly for Darren I don't know who's going to be in his corner it will obviously be be Hamza if he's there but 
whether it'll be Colin Heron. I know that he hasn't been, he's been out in Thailand. He hasn't trained at Team Carbon at all. You know, it's usually Colin Heron, Mike Grundy, and uh, Terry Etten. That's like amazing. I mean, what what a trio that is, and now you stick Kamzat in there as well. But I'm not sure who will uh, who will be in his corner for this one. That's going to be something that's, that'll interest me on on Saturday night, amongst other things. But Terry Adam was one of those guys where I was like, he's a future UFC champion. I always pick the worst. <laughs> like this, I thought it's he was a so disappointing bad thing, you know. Like Jared Brooks knocking himself out. Terry Adam's going to be the guy that got wheel kicked by Barboza. Outside of that, he was phenomenal. He really was. He was on a great trajectory. They were really picking him to like go. No, he's just on a. He's on one of the UK UFC guys. Like oh, Terry Etten from the UK, and then he gets. Fuck's sake, he got wheel kicked, man. And he he got not only good did he get wheel kicked, but he went steer. I was like, fuck. (laughs) It might be like it's up there with Anderson Silva. Like that is one of the greatest singular knockouts ever. I think it might be my favorite knockout. (laughs) And it, more to the point that a you know I bash Joe Rogan all the time. He he nailed it. He's risk of getting knocked out and okay. things like that. And and you know with Barbo he he spun the wheel kick and landed exactly where he should have. And just what uh, he was quite literally watching Terry Etten fall. But sorry, yeah. we get sidetracked on Terry Etten talk every every show. Every, every show, show it's the same thing difficult. with him. But yeah, but you see, I feel like outside the. Outside the main event, this is a really good card. Like you said, Drake yeah. Duplessis, uh, the Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Tapuria. That's a main event on a fight night. Like that's a really sure. good fight. This is this is some quality stuff here. I mean, even Alex Moreno coming in on short notice to face Ponza Nibia. Obviously, we heard yesterday yeah. that Robbie Lawler was out gutted about that. Also, kind of glad because Robbie Lawler shouldn't have been in that. You know, Robbie no. Lawler's in the Legends League now. He, yeah. he shouldn't be fighting. He should be fighting Nick Diaz. He shouldn't be fighting Santiago Ponza Nibia. But yeah. even that fight, you know, that's an intriguing one. Brandon Moreno, uh, Moreno, sorry, Alex Moreno, not Brandon Moreno. Jeez, what? but uh, <laughs> you know, they're stepping up. Uh, catch weight of one eighty. Happy with that. No need to cut any unnecessary weight. And you know, Moreno riding a four fight win streak. Santiago Ponzinibbio looking to bounce back. I think that's an exciting fight, even at late notice. But you know, like you said, outside the main event. Which isn't a bad fight, but it's just not the main event we want. We've got Paddy yeah. Pimblett on the card. We've got that that rearranged fight with Monta yeah. uh, We've got Darren Till. We've got Bryce Mitchell versus Taporia. We've got Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Chris Dalkus. Great, great heavyweight yeah. fight. Two guys that are sort of on, on the cusp of a top five, top sort of eight position. Raul Rosa Jr. making his debut. I mean, that's not enough to be spoken about that. Uh, Edmund Shabazzik, Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. That's a banger. Alex, That's an Alex, action fight. Exactly. We've got Alex Hernandez making his, his featherweight debut, completely going under the radar. Forgot that the guy existed, to be honest. <laughs> Let's not forget that he holds a... I remember, he, a yeah, 42-second knockout victory over Vanille Dayush. Yep. Oh, he's happened. very good. It's just, it's just, we remembered the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is, he's had other issues that stick out to us all the time, but he's exactly. really talented. <laughs> He he trashed talked Donald Cerrone and then got kicked to oblivion. I mean, but he you know he's obviously struggled at one fifty five not to make the weight, but I think he struggled just with the the skill. You know, he lost to Judoba, he beat Chris Gutzmacher, he lost to Thiago Santos, he beat Mike Breeden, he lost mm-hmm. to Renato Moicano in February. He's now dropping weight uh, to one forty five, where he'll be the bigger guy against Billy Q, who is not an easy fight for you for your featherweight debut. But you know, again, that is a phenomenal fight and probably a co-main event on a on a on a fight night card. And yet these guys have 
you know, fourth fight on the card. And then you've got, you know, a couple you got a couple of undefeated guys that being the curtain jerker. You've got a couple of other fights on there that are exciting. But, you know, this is a really good card. And unfortunately for Bellator, I think it's a, it's a better card than the Bellator cards. It, it actually is. is. Bellator has won a lot of this year, but this time out, I think, yeah, yeah. And the UFC actually has a better card. I know. I mean, the Bellator card is good. You know, it, it's exciting. You've got two of the uh, the Bell- uh, the Bantamweight Grand Prix fights on there. You've got Rufian Stotts versus Danny Sabatello. I know Sabatello's sort of shtick is all an act, but it does my head in. I can't stand <laughs> the guy, and I really hope Rufian Stotts gets it done and gets it, it done early. <laughs> He, he got me. He got me. But what, what I do interest, obviously Pat, Patchy Mix and uh, Magomed Magomedov are also fighting in the other. Is it, is it semifinals now? Yeah, semifinals. What I do think is interesting is the uh, the poster doesn't show the co-main event. Liz Carmouche is fighting Juliana Vasquez for the flyweight championship. Didn't even know it was happening because the, the poster doesn't show it. Why would the poster not show it? They're not even on it. Not even in the background. They're not on it at all. Is this controversial? Are they in like the uh, in Saudi Arabia where they can't? <laughs> like, what's the I problem mean, here? It's Mahigan Sun, Connecticut. They know. They know. Oh, where they, they know where they are. You know where Bellator are going to be. And yeah, they're not even showing. They yeah, strange one for me. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they're not on the, the poster at all. But that's, I mean, Danny Sabatello versus Ruffian Stotts is a good fight. That is, Liz, that's a great fight. Liz Carmouche versus uh, Juliana Vasquez, you know, the I rematch know. after Liz Carmouche won the belt. I mean, so, I literally didn't know they were fighting until I checked today. And we, I know. like I say, we spend most of the day flicking through social media and, and, and websites and stuff. I'm not yeah. hearing anything about this. And Patchy Mix versus Magomed Magomedov. Let's be, let's not forget that Patchy Mix in his last three fights has beaten Albert Myers by finish, James Gallagher by finish, and Horiguchi by decision. And Magomed, That's a, those Magomedov, are good names. I mean, they're not bad. I mean, they're not bad at all, you know. And then Magomedov's coming off that win against Enrico Barzola. But, you know, for me, it's all, all, all eyes on the main event, the £135 main event. It's for the... This is what I also do think is strange. It's for the interim Bellator Championship because Pettis obviously got injured, but every time that the champion fights, the belt has to be on the line, which kind of makes sense, but doesn't make sense at the same time. But, you know, Danny Sabatello, you know what he's going to do. He's going to come in, he's going to try and wrestle, he's going to try and grind you out. He hasn't finished a fight since 2020. And he hasn't, <laughs> you know, he won on the Contender Series, obviously didn't get a contract. He went back to Titan, won a decision, beat Brett Johns by decision, beat uh, Lugo by decision beat uh, Leandro Higo, Leandro Higo, sorry, by decision. This guy doesn't finish fights, whereas Ruffian starts on the other side. You know, he's got two finishes, two finishes in his last five fights, including a head kick knockout over Juan Archuleta last time out. These two guys don't like each other. Expect, I think this is on, this is on Friday, so expect Thursday's weigh-ins t- for them two to go at each other. And I expect plenty of sort of Danny Sabatello content this week, which is going to grind my gears, but it is what it Finally. is. Finally. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's a good card. I don't think it stacks up to the UFC card. And, you know, that's maybe why Bellator are doing it on the, you know, they're doing a Friday night card, Bellator, uh, UFC on the Saturday. And then uh, analysis yeah. on the Sunday ahead of Monday's show. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything to add on the Bellator card. It's nice to see Denise Kilholtz, a good kickboxer. Yeah, opening the card, though, which is strange. There's a recognizable name opening the card. Maybe it's to get bums on seats, but yeah, I'm strange sure. for me. It's, yeah, she's, she's fun. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we covered UFC 282. We covered uh, the Bellator. Anything else that we need to cover off that we haven't talked about this weekend? I think I think that's about it. It's, it's you know, like, like I say, we're... we're slowly closing out the year we've got I think one more UFC card before the end of the year yeah. off the top of my head I have no idea Cannoneer versus Strickland that's why I oh know. yeah that's why we keep forgetting about it yeah that and on that just looking at the card now next week will be mostly post fight analysis there's not an awful lot to preview and then Jared Cannoneer versus Sean Strickland is, is the main event Julian Arosa versus Alex Caceres maybe the co-main event can't tell you everything you need to know so it'll be mostly uh mostly analysis next week and then we'll uh we'll look at jumping straight into you know our end of year review end of year picks knockout of the year submission yep. of the year that's what one of my favorite shows of the year that we did last year and uh, i'm excited to jump into it again because a lot of things we do agree on but you know you enjoy a calf slicer with someone getting pounded out <laughs> one of the worst things i've ever seen so uh, it is what it is <laughs> all right links will be down below for all of our authorships and uh social medias and all that fraser thank you so much for your time sir thank you mate. take it easy